This show is for educational purpose and should not be taken as medical advice. Welcome to Let's Talk About Medical Cannabis with Dr. O, a clinical pharmacist certified in medical cannabis. You'll learn about alternative ways to improve your health and well-being using the healing power of botanicals such as cannabinoids. Here's your host, Lola Ahanba. Hey guys, thank you for joining me today for another episode of Let's Talk About Medical Cannabis with Dr. O. For those of you that are just joining us for the first time, I'm Dr. Lola Ohamba, a clinical pharmacist certified in medical cannabis. Before we go on to this show, let me say thank you to our sponsor. This show is sponsored by WCI Health. The Alternative Health and Wellness Talk. At WCI Health, we help people get and stay well using the healing powers of botanicals such as cannabinoid. For all your high-quality hemp-derived CBD products, head straight to our website, wci-health.com, at wci-health.com, for all your CBD, hemp-derived CBD products. Also, I would also like to say thank you to our supporters supporting us through the Patreon group. Uh, for all of you that are supporting this show, without you, we can't even come live at all. So I would like to say thank you to all our supporters. For those of you that are yet to join, please do join us for all the information on how to subscribe to the show or to join the Patreon group. We have information on our website, wci-health.com, for all the information that you need for you to support the show. So on today's show, we're going to be talking about the role of cannabinoid in the management of uh, rheumatoid arthritis. First of all, in our previous episode, we talked about the role of cannabinoid in the management of uh, osteoarthritis. So on that show, we talked about the what we define what osteoarthritis is. We talked about the pharmaceutics, traditional pharmaceutics that is used in the management of OA, that is osteoarthritis. Then we talk about how cannabinoids might be able to help in the relief of some of the signs and symptoms synonymous to OA. So on today's show, we will be looking into the role of cannabinoid in the management of uh, rheumatoid arthritis. Again, thank you so much for joining me. So glad you are here. So what is uh, rheumatoid arthritis? What is really arthritis? Arthritis is more of an inflammation. It's an inflammatory condition. It could occur naturally uh, in form of uh, pain, inflammation. So we have different forms of arthritis like we discussed in our previous episode on OA osteoarthritis. For those of you that are yet to access that episode, you can have that opportunity to listen to that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or you can also check it out on our website at wcihealth.com. So basically, when you talk about osteoarthritis, that osteos basically means bone. So the inflammation that is going on in osteoarthritis is affecting the bone. But when we talk about rheumatoid arthritis, 
this is a chronic inflammatory condition. So I guess somebody will say, what is the difference between rheumatoid arthritis and osteoarthritis? In the rheumatoid arthritis, the body, the body immune system is affecting its own, itself. The body is attacking its own. So basically, rheumatoid arthritis is an autoimmune disease condition. So when we say autoimmune condition, what does auto mean? Auto simply means your body, yourself. Your immune system is attacking your body tissue. That's what happens in the case of uh, rheumatoid arthritis. So what happens is that your immune system begins to attack the joints and the lining of all the joints in our body. So when the, the immune system starts attacking this joint, the lining of the joint starts wearing off and you start experiencing swelling, pain. That is uh, characteristics of uh, arthritis, especially rheumatoid arthritis. Apart from the damage that is done due to the inflammation, other parts of the body are also affected when we are going through rheumatoid arthritis. That means your kidney can get affected, your lungs. So it's not just the bone that is being affected. It also affects the other organs of the body. So this is a very, very serious condition. Uh, there is really no cure for this disease right now, for this condition, but we can manage the signs and symptoms uh, that is associated with this, uh, with this disorder. So basically today we will look at the signs and symptoms uh, synonymous to this uh, rheumatoid arthritis, which I'm going to call from time to time RA. That is a short form that we use for it. We will look at the signs and symptoms. We'll look at the traditional pharmaceutics that is used in the management of this disorder. Then we will also look at the role of cannabinoids. In what way can cannabis-based uh, therapy help in the management of this disease? Even if it is not able to cure the disease, at least some of the some of the signs and symptoms that is associated with the disease, we, we want to look and see if there's a way cannabinoid-based therapy might help. So what are the signs and symptoms of Harry? Harry symptoms is normally manifest uh, early in form of uh, pain in the joints of the fingers, toes, like all those smaller joints of our body. That's where you notice this first. So as time goes on, it begins to spread to the ankle, to the bigger bones joint, like the wrist, the hip bone, the elbow, the shoulder. It begins to spread to that part of, of the body. So as the disease progresses, it begins to affect the skin, the lungs, the bone, and uh, the bone marrow, kidney, so it's not just your, your bone. It also affects other parts of your organs. So what do we see? We see swelling of the joint. There is a warm. Sometimes when you touch people that are going through this, pro, this, this disorder, you experience a warmness to the touch. There is a characteristic stiffness that is associated with, with, with the joint that is affected. 
And part of why this is, is due to inability of the bone to move. Basically, what is happening as the body is attacking the lining, the cartilage on this joint, what happens is that the cartilage and the lining surrounding the cartilage is what we call synovial fluid. The synovial fluid is, helps our joints and helps it to move around. It's just like lubrication for the joint. So this part of the body, when you, the auto, autoimmune part of our body start attack, when our immune system start attacking the joint, basically what happens is that there is wearing and tearing of the cartilage and the lining of the synovial joint. So what happens in that situation is that the body, that part of the body is not able to move effectively. There is what we call inflammation and swelling. This inflammation and swelling causes the joint to not be able to move as it should. So most of the time we see people manifesting in form of loss of appetite because it makes sense, you know. When you are going to pray, you don't want to eat. You don't want to, there's loss of appetite. And basically as the disease progresses, it can come, it, it varies in uh, severity. When, when it becomes really unbearable for some people, it's called flaring up. When it flares up, that means it's really, really unbearable for people. Then it also like a kind of flip-flop into a remission state. When we see the remission state, that means the swelling, the pains are less active at that particular time. So what are the risk factors? What are the risk factors for rheumatoid arthritis? One of the risk factors is genetics. I mean, it's just what it is. We don't really know what causes it as a genetic. It could be due to mutation. When we talk about mutation, mutation can happen in form of maybe environmental factor, changing the DNA in our body. For, you know, some people that works with asbestos, pollution, could cause uh, genetic mutation. And also, it's seen that uh, this uh, disease is more common in female compared to the male population. Also, obesity or overweight can cause problem for us when it comes to rheumatoid arthritis because the excess weight that we have can put extra pressure on the joint that is affected. So these are some of the signs and symptoms. So if this uh, rheumatoid arthritis, if it's not uh, managed, it can lead to uh, other diseases such as osteoporosis. Osteoporosis basically means loss of a bone. It's a loss or weakness of the bone, and that could lead to fractures of the bone. It can also result in infection because some of the medication that we use to manage this disorder, like the steroid, what they do is they reduce our immune system. So when they reduce the immune system, this leaves us vulnerable to infection. And it will make sense because, or first of all, we are already dealing with our immune system attacking our joint. Then we are using medication like corticosteroids let's say prednisone, which have side effects that also causes bone loss and also sometimes 
suppress our immune system. So in this situation, it's like your immune system is being attacked in a two-phase. Because of that, this could lead to us being more susceptible to infection. It also leads to a situation where we call Capotonus syndrome. Capotonus syndrome, and that will make sense because this uh, rheumatoid arthritis affects the small fingers, the wrist, the, the small joint. Uh, the, the small joint of the of the body. So the nerves, after the uh, when these uh, small joints are attacked by the by the immune system, this also affects the nerves surrounding the small joint. So when the nerves are messed up at that joint, then it can result in a carpal tunnel syndrome. Apart from carpal tunnel syndrome. We can also experience a heart disease. Part of what we see when we, for in people that have rheumatoid arthritis, is what we call rheumatoid nodules. These are mostly found around the joint. Basically, what happens is that the, as the immune system is being attacked, as the joint is being attacked by the immune system, all these nodules that are breaking out can aggregates when they aggregate they can block the uh, blood vessels when they block the blood vessels that means the blood is not able to flow as it should to other parts of the body especially the heart so if the blood vessels like the arteries and your veins that's supposed to carry blood to and from your heart the lungs other part of your body if it's not able to flow due to these nodules blocking the, the flow this can lead to heart attack because blood is not flowing effectively to the heart. So it could also lead to stroke. So these are some of the, the reasons why we see cardiac issue in some people that have a rheumatoid arthritis. Apart from a cardiac issue, other, other conditions that can be seen is, is in cancer such as uh, lymphoma. There are studies have shown that uh, in a, a patient with rheumatoid arthritis, there is an increase in the risk of uh, lymphoma. This is a form of cancer that attacks the lymphatic vessel. And our lymph nodes, all these as a result of infection. If our lymph is infected, this could result in uh, lymphoma. So what are the ways that we could prevent or manage this disease, the non-pharmacological ways? When I say non-pharmacological ways, I'm just saying what ways other than medication, other than traditional pharmaceuticals that we can manage this disease. So the best way to manage in the beginning when we start noticing because we can't cure this disease, is there's no cure for it. We can only manage the symptoms. Other ways we can manage it without the drug is exercise, occupation, and physical uh, therapy. This can help in the improvement of the joint movement, the mobility of the joint through physical and occupational therapy. That can help with that. Other than that, we need to have a adequate rest. Those uh, things that we have to do to help us to sleep and also for 
people, for patients that have a weight condition, we can also try to lose a little bit of weight that will take a little pressure from the joint. Apart from this process, other ways that people can manage, but that will come after we have tried pharmaceutical therapy and it's not working. That will be in surgery. People can do tendon repair or joint replacement or what they call tenosynovia uh, surgery. Basically, surgery can be used to help either replace the knee or replace the cartilage or do something with the synovia fluid to, to help. And basically, when we do all this, what we are trying to target is the pain because that's the most important part of what we are going through. When we go through this disease, it's characteristic with serious pain. So apart from non-pharmacological ways, what other ways are we able to manage this uh, rheumatoid arthritis? Medication and drug depends on the severity and the duration of the disease. Basically what that means is that the kind of medicine we're going to choose will depend on how long this patient has been going through this disease or the severity of it. So for the first line of therapy, the first line are what we call anti-inflammatory drugs because inflammation and pain are the main signs and symptoms. They are the main side effects that we see from this disease. So the first line of therapy is what we call NSAIDs. And NSAIDs are non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. The non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, what do they do? They help with inflammations. Non-steroidal anti-inflammatory, just as in the name. They are not steroid. That's why we say they are non-steroidal. So they help with inflammation. Examples of those kind of drugs are your ibuprofen, your Motrin, your Advil, your Aleve. They help with that. But we also have the select agent like the celebrest. Those are selected, but what are the side effects of the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug? The side effect that we see in the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug like your ibuprofen is the potential for stomach ulcer and especially in the elderly population, it could result in bleeding or in some agents like the celebrates, we have to watch out for signs and symptoms of uh, cardiac. For people that have cardiac issues like heart disease, we have to watch out for that. One of the other ways that they, we use this product, uh, NSAID, is that sometimes we combine it with what we call PPI, proton pump inhibitors. These are like the omeprazole or your pantoprazole or Nexium. Those are the common names that you will know those for. Basically, what those do is they help to protect the stomach lining so to prevent the ulcer or the bleeding. So other than the NSAIDs, what other drugs do we use? The other main drug we use are the steroid. The steroid are the big guns when it comes to inflammation. And we have example of those are the medrol, your prednisone, the hydrocortisone, but the steroid injection are way more effective when we are talking about steroid, but they have higher side effects. There's a lot of side effects that we see when we use uh, steroids. 
Examples of the side effects that we see are the bone loss. And that's a problem, especially in the elderly population. If we are already having rheumatoid arthritis that is already affecting our joints and our bones, and there is a medication that is also going to cause bone loss, so that will be kind of problematic. But it do, steroids do work for a lot of patients, but at the same time, we do not want to use it for a long time. Some of the other side effects that we see is weight gain. And it's kind of like counterintuitive in a way because some of the things we're trying to get rid of when we're dealing with rheumatoid arthritis is weight because those excess weight put extra pressure on the joint. So if we are using a drug that is also going to get us to gain weight, that can be a problem and a lot of patients might not even want to be compliant or even use their medication. Steroid can also cause aggressive behavior or metabolic syndrome such as diabetes. So all these are what we have to look out for. For the severe diseases, we, the main drugs that are used are what we call disease-modifying anti-rheumatic drugs. We call them DMARDs, D-M-A-R-D-S. DMARDs are the disease-modifying anti-rheumatic drugs. Basically, this one should bring that in within around first three months. Most of the healthcare providers will, will bring in the DMARD. And studies have shown that early use of the DMAPs can result in a more favorable outcome and can also reduce uh, the risk of uh, death. Some of the first-line drugs in the families of the DMAPs are the methotrexate, trezor, hydroxychloroquine. I know we have heard a lot about that. <laughs> we have heard a lot of the hydroxychloroquine. Well, it's actually FDA-indicated for rheumatoid arthritis. And we also have drugs like uh, sulfasalazine. Those are some of the main drugs that we use. What are the side effects of the DMAS? This could lead to liver damage. For people with liver disease, we have to watch for bone marrow suppression, and it could even lead to severe lung infection. And when we talk about methotrexate, we cannot use this in women of childbearing age because of the potential for what we call teratogenic effect. Basically, what teratogenic means is that methotrexate can cause harm to unborn child or for a breastfeeding mother, you do not want your baby to have this in, in your breast milk. So one has to watch out for that. It's contraindicated in pregnant people. Other than the DMAMs, we also have the biological agents. The biological agents, uh, these are called disease-modifying agents too. But they are, they are kind of like DMAMs, but they are biologicals. And some of them, they end in MABs. When you start hearing MABs, then you know they are biological. The way I, when I was in school, the way I, I, I recognize these drugs is that when I see the MAB at the end of it, I know that's a biological agent. So example of those are Humira, which is Adalimumab. And we have the Simzia which is cetolizumab and the symponin. Then we also have rifuzan, which is uh, rituzumab. And we also have the infliximab, which is called remicade. Other than the MABs, the other biological, the common ones are the oratia, 
or the Embraer or Zeldian. I'm sure many of you would have seen the uh, commercial on the TV. Uh, the biological agent, they target the immune system that causes the inflammation resulting in the joint. Basically, what the biological agent does, target the immune system, unlike the other agent that target the inflammation itself. This biological agent, they go straight to the, to the source. And the biological agents are always kind of more effective when you use them as a combo product. Like, say, you could use the biological agent with either the methotrexate or the NSAID, they kind of more effective. What are the side effects of the biological agent? Of course, they are biological, so it could cause infection. It could result in a blood clot in some agent like tofacinib, uh, some of the agents that result in uh, blood clot. So uh, if we have tried uh, pharmaceutics and we are not seeing results, what else can we do? In what way might cannabis be able to help? Due to uh, prohibition, effectiveness of uh, cannabinoid products have not a lot of studies still needs to be done. So most of the documentation of effectiveness that we have are from anecdotal, which means uh, word of mouth from people that have used it. We have some studies, but stars, the stars, some of the uh, small studies that we have seen shows that administration of cannabinoids extract over a few weeks period significantly reduce pain uh, it reduces inflammation it helps patient to to sleep it reduces the intensity of the pain in rheumatoid arthritis patient compared to patient that were given placebo basically when you say placebo it means the product they gave the other control does not have active ingredients in it. It's also been shown that, that CBD suppresses the progression of arthritis in uh, experimental animals. And CBD is also been shown to protect the joint against severe damage and effectively block progression of arthritis after the onset or in clinical symptoms. So basically, studies have shown that CBD doesn't just protect the joint after the aromatoid arthritis is already setting, even during the clinical symptom, when you start ha- having the symptoms and you start using a CBD-based product, it's been shown to help. According to the, some, uh, to the Journal of uh, Neuroimmunology, Cannabinoid could provide symptomatic relief of joint pain, swelling, suppression of joint destruction, and disease progression and rheumatoid arthritis. So basically, in, uh, in this in this study, they found out that uh, cannabinoids helps in the in reducing the uh, disease progression, reduce the speed at which the disease was uh, was going on. So another study that was done in 2003, a prize at all and his colleagues, they found out that cannabinoid reduced the damage to myelin sheet covering the nerve cell caused by inflammation. So when we talk about myelin sheet, these are nerves, these are neurons. So the, they found out that the cannabinoid reduced the damage 
when the myelin sheet is damaged, what well, it causes inflammation of the nerves. So what they were prized and his colleagues found out was that cannabinoid was able to reduce the, the damage that is done to, to these neurons and, re, uh, and as such reduce uh, inflammation. Basically, apart from that, one of the main symptoms that we see, one of the main problems with rheumatoid arthritis or any of these arthritis generally is pain. Pain is the number one medical condition that people use cannabinoids for. And rheumatoid arthritis is characterized by severe pain, inflammation which cannabinoids have potential to alleviate. THC is being shown to have up to 20 times anti-inflammatory properties compared to steroids and such as prednisone. And when we were talking earlier in the pharmaceutics, pharmaceutics, we talked about using steroids, that this is the big gun that is used in the traditional pharmaceutics. But come to think of it, THC got 20 times the power that the steroid has. That is huge, people. That is absolutely huge. Okay, we have a steroid, then we have THC-based product that has 20 times. That's, that's, that's a big deal. Apart from that, we have uh, NSAID, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory properties that are used as a first line. But THC has... 20 times the anti-inflammatory properties. And the side effect that you see from, from cannabinoid is not even this in the same category as the side effect that you see in, say, like a steroid, that you have, uh, you have bone loss, you have aggression, you have infection. You have, uh, in the case of NSAID, like ibuprofen, you have GI bleeding, which are not seen in products like, like, like TAC. So with this kind of uh, uh, documentation that has shown that uh, cannabinoid might be able to help in management of the side effect of this, uh, this disease, so why are we not using this agent to, to manage this disorder? Or why are we not even trying to even look into this product and do a research? DMAPs, even the DMAPs that are the main target, they have side effects as in infection and all kind of stuff that we don't even see. And some of the side effects that has been recorded for cannabinoids, they are reversible. They are not major uh, side effects. Sometimes they are like those uh, relate. They are based on those, on strains. So if you use, the higher you go, high dose can give you a, a specific effect and low dose can give you a specific effect. So you have the ability to be able to titrate up or down. So why are we not doing research? Why are we not looking into this situation? Well, my people, I guess we will have to leave the answer to, uh, answer to that question to the power that be. Hopefully, we will get, a, uh, we will get into a situation whereby uh, clinicians, scientists, 
scientists, researchers can begin to actually do. I mean, there are a lot of studies right now, but we need a large studies and we need funding to be able to actually have full documentation of, of the powers of cannabinoid-based products. Anyway, that's it. That's our show for today. I'm so, so glad that you guys were able to hang out till the end. I'm absolutely blessed. For those of you that are yet to subscribe to this show, you can head on straight to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or you can go on our website, wci-health.com. We have a page where you can subscribe to the show. And if you want to uh, donate to this show, also we have information about how you can join our Patreon group on our website, wci-health.com. Other than that, I'm excited about my upcoming launch of my hemp-derived CBD beauty line called Glows. Glows is going to be coming. It's going to be powerful. We will be launching soon. So I would like you guys to stay tuned for that. Apart from Glows launching soon, I have a new series on IGTV called Let's Talk Cannabinoid with Dr. O. On Let's Talk Cannabinoid, I talk about fun facts about cannabis, cannabinoid, and in a, in a relaxed environment. And for those of you that are wondering, Oh, how does Dr. O looks? Well, you can have see how I look. You can look see me on IGTV most time, most times on Wednesday seven seven o'clock Eastern time. You can join us on IGTV, and you can join me or uh, follow me on uh, IG at uh, WCI Health nineteen. WCI held 19. So other than that, thank you so much for hanging out on our next show. We're going to be looking into gout. Gout is an autoimmune disorder too. So we will be looking into, into gout. So you do not absolutely don't want to miss that. Until next time, please be safe, wear your mask, social distancing, and remember health equals well bye guys see you thank you guys so much please subscribe on apple podcast or any podcast platform support the show by becoming a patron and donating on our patron page or on our website for more information visit our website at www.wci-health.com until next time health equals well